What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of OTH Football Weekly. Today, I'm your host, David Gillespie. Alongside with me, we got Craig Schmucker, we got George Ruggiero, and Ryan Moran joining in on the podcast. This week, we'll be previewing the NFC South for this upcoming 2021 season. Uh, a lot of big time notes, uh, uh, you know, a lot of big time moves made within each uh, of these teams in the offseason. A lot of uh, a lot of question marks, too, from some of these teams that could be proven, uh, proving themselves as potential contenders with a different cast, to say the least. Um, but before we get into all of that, uh, I just want to ask, how are you guys doing so far? Pretty good, good, man. Yeah, doing all great. Good? Great. Yeah. Glad to hear it, man. Yeah, it's it's uh, been an interesting uh, week for us in the Pacific Northwest with all the rain here. So uh hope you guys are holding it down over there with uh, your... Uh, with your situation all all over the U.S. because we're all from different areas. So, uh, but let's get right into it. Uh, it. This is gosh, I, you know, we all know the Buccaneers, the reigning Super Bowl champions. Uh, they you know, they able to keep their the same similar cast and crew uh, from last year. So, um, it, you know, it, there's not much movement from them. But you know, we, we did see some interesting uh, decisions being made in the draft, not to say the least, for them. Uh, who has the best chance, though, to circumvent them in the NFC South this year? Now, they didn't win the division. It was the Saints who won the division. But in terms of being that favorite, because I, I would say the Buccaneers right now are the favorites to come out of the NFC South. Who would you guys say are uh, would be the ultimate favorite right now uh, to potentially circumvent them in the division? I think the Bucs are taking it. But if I had to pick, it's probably between either the Saints or the Panthers. It's very close. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. I think I think the Saints and then the Panthers. See, I, I've got I've got the same type of thing, but for me, like we're we're gonna get into it a little bit more later on. I have the Panthers edging out for that second spot, but I mean I'm looking at this this Bucks roster. It's exactly the same as the team that just won the Super Bowl. So I mean, it, it's really hard not to look yeah. at them and say, okay. They're probably just going to do it again. <laughs> They've done it exactly. once, and, and they just add talent in the draft. Yeah. And and now we're looking at uh, again a really deep team. I got yeah, and they got a pass catching back in Gio Giovanni yeah. Bernard. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah Giovanni Bernard. Bernard. That's right. He he's you know he's a, he's a solid receiving back. I'm gonna say he's he's, he's underrated in that regard. Um, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. You know, I must say Jason Lick, uh, like uh, in terms of what he did with this roster to maintain its core it, it's almost just straight up magic in terms of how he was able to keep these guys on the roster because there, there was just so many questions as to what they were going to do with antonio brown what they were going to do with you know chris godwin uh with gronkowski you know obviously you know brady signed for another year this year and the, who knows that this is his last hurrah before he calls it quits but just an unbelievable decision uh making you know uh, uh process that that came about from jason light in terms of what he was able to do with, with keeping this roster uh just intact but yeah i think you guys hit the nail right on the head with the saints um uh they you know this, this is a team that that you know they did have some roster loss on the defensive line and drew Brees departing uh but they still have a ton of promise uh you know within their offensive line obviously out of the backfield with alvin kamar should be interesting to see how that plays out, though, with um, with uh, you know with with the defensive line and with, with Jameis Winston at the helm, though, that, that could be proven to be a, a legitimate question mark. Um, you know, because I, I think they absolutely have to be the favorites uh, uh, to to at least be that that favorite. You know, to to potentially circumvent the Buccaneers 
considering the versatility within their roster and and obviously the the, the head coaching you know uh, uh, track record of, of of Sean Payton. I mean, I you know I think it speaks for himself. It speaks for itself. You know what he's been able to accomplish all the years, all these years, turning the Saints around from being kind of a laughing stock of a franchise to a, a consistent year in and year out. And uh, it'll be interesting, though, to see what happens with, with, with Jameis Winston, though. I think that's a, a really, you know, he, are, are we, he, he's kind of a, a double-edged sword which, in terms of what you get with him because he has so much talent, but there's also the, the mistakes that, that come uh, into play. But uh, we can get more into that, though, with the, um, uh, you know, later on down the road uh, in this podcast in terms of talking about them in particular, the Saints. Uh, but who has the biggest hurdle to jump this year within the division? Who has the hurdle to to prove themselves to be a legitimate, serious team uh, that maybe isn't considered one last year? I think definitely the Falcons. Yeah, you got you the Falcons. I uh, think oh, someone else wants to But Sam Donalds, I think they, you know, Matt Rule and Joe Brady both being back for their second year. I think they're the team to me that can that you know, should take that leap. The Fal- Falcons sh- certainly should be interesting. I, I think, uh, uh, what, what, what do you say, George? This might sound a little bit kind of out there because even though they won last season, the expectations for this Tampa Bay team are so ridiculously high at this point. Uh, you know, I look at that in itself as a hurdle because if you watched them last season, early on in the year, they were, not great. It didn't seem like they gelled well. It, it seemed like there were so many different moving parts that weren't really locking into place yet. And it really took until the last few weeks of the season and into the playoffs for the Bucks to look like the contender that they ended up being mm-hmm. and, and eventually taking home the Super Bowl. So if we're talking about just a straight-up hurdle, this team has such high expectations that if they were to stumble really at any point in the season and end up on a losing streak, end up, you know, missing the playoffs or not even winning the division, let alone winning the Super Bowl again, you have to look at that as a failed season because they took a Super Bowl winning team and just said, all right, pick up some talent in the draft. We have to run it back. If they stumble, you have to look at that as a failed season. I definitely think that it's the Falcons just because uh, they got to overcome that terrible pass defense. They gave up the most passing yards in the league last year. 4,697 passing yards last year. Yeah. And the rest, I mean, it's not like their front seven's great either. So just all around that defense is bad. And they lost Julio. All they have left is uh, Ridley and Gage. And then, I mean, they have Pitts that they brought in and Hayden Hurst at tight end, but it's it doesn't look great. I mean, they're going to have to play from behind probably a lot. And I don't see them winning a lot of games. Their offensive line's not great. It's... It, the whole team is a hurdle. I totally echo that sentiment. I think the the Falcons have to be, you know, the team that 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 has the biggest hurdle to to overcome. You know, to be actually taken into uh, serious consideration as a as a threat for the postseason. Uh, uh, you know, and and beyond. Honestly, it's the loss of Julio Jones, like you said, Craig. That's going to be impactful. I mean, it, I like Calvin Ridley, and I think he has the capability of being a number one receiver. Um, especially with the promise he he, he showed last year and, and really emerging as a legitimate bona fide deep threat. One of the best route runners in the game, I think, arguably. Uh, and I, I must say, I kind of slept on him coming out of Alabama. I liked his route running, but I didn't like his track record there. I know they were more so a run-oriented uh, offense as opposed to, to focusing on the pass, but 
I, I had a lot of question marks with him coming out in terms of can he deliver that talent uh, uh, consistently? Can he execute talent consistently? And he's proven me uh, uh, wrong. And, and he, you know, he's answered those questions uh, in, in a, a very promising fashion. But they've, again, like you said, with the defense, I mean, outside of Deion Jones and Grady Jarrett, there isn't a ton to love about this defense, really. Yeah. Uh, those guys are, are studs, but, but you know, it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of question marks, you know, coming into this season. Uh, you know, I, I, I tip my hat to Arthur Smith. I thought that was a great hire as a head coach. But, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's – man, considering the defense, considering the loss of Julio Jones, considering the question marks at the offensive line and at the running back spot where they got Mike Davis now – in the backfield, who you know, I liked when he was a Gamecock as a as a uh, uh, big time Gamecock fan myself, but hasn't exactly been the stellar pro this far in his career. Yeah, um, and that was a long time ago too. He's and, and Matt, now. yeah, and Matt Ryan is is getting older, you know, and he's yeah. someone who's is inconsistent at times. As much as I love Matty Ice, and call me bold for saying this, but I think he's a future Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. Maybe that's just me. Um, but I, I think he's proven he's had a, a very underrated career that hasn't been respected enough. But at the same time, kind of like I, I almost kind of frequently to like an Eli Manning. He's a very inconsistent quarterback where he'll have a tremendous year one year. And then the next year, you're just like, what the heck happened? How did you take these steps back? You know, but uh, uh, that'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens in the long run with the Falcons. I, I hope, you know, we'll see what happens with Mike Pitt, uh, with, with uh, Michael Pitts. Excuse me. Kyle, Kyle Pitts, um, uh, you know, uh, moving forward. Uh, and we'll get into more of that uh, in just a little bit. But which team within this division do you guys say won the offseason? Bucks. The fact that they've won the Super Bowl and they're running it, they're actually running it back. Like, no doubt. I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe they got basically everyone back. It just doesn't even make sense how they're able to do it. If there was a second team, it has to be the Panthers, though, I would think. Agree. They did really well building up their defense. They brought in Darnold, and I think I'm not positive Darnold's good, but he's got more upside than Bridgewater had. So, and he's he's probably going to push the ball down the field more. So we'll see what he can do when he's behind a real offensive line with real weapons. Definitely, and I mean I'm looking at like you guys said, Tampa. It's it's just it's the same roster. It's it's the exact same roster that won the Super Bowl last year including the offensive line, which usually you're, you know, your front seven on defense and your defensive line, that's where you're going to end up losing some of these guys. But they were able to really keep everybody together. And it's not even just the fact that it's got a, you've got a really good starting roster there. This is a very deep team still. Like, you have a lot of talent just behind your starting players, and that's really what I think makes this team so dangerous and really what it makes them the winners out of this division, the fact that, they not only kept their starting players that led them to a Super Bowl, you're also keeping your depth guys. You're keeping those guys around that are really your supporting cast that really make it that much easier on your starting guys. And it just speaks volumes to what Tom Brady has brought there in one year, the fact that guys like Shaq Barrett and Levante David just didn't really even want to test the market, you know, and wanted yeah. to stay there. Yeah. There's a lot and of think- the fact that they know they have a great chance again this year. And, yeah. and didn't Mike Evans also take a pay cut, or didn't he say he was willing to because of uh, uh, you know the, the winning the Super Bowl? I thought I remember reading something something along the lines of that. Um, yeah, I, you know it, it's. I mean, yeah, he said he was willing to take a pay cut following the Super Bowl win. I remember him saying that. So it really just speaks volumes to what Brady's brought forth in 
in terms of guaranteeing that success, ensuring that success. I mean, he's a bona fide uh, franchise changer, if you ask me. And, uh, you know, with just, uh, you know, so much power to behold him in just one person, you know, and it's just incredible what we've seen him accomplish. Now, don't there were a lot of great pieces he got to work with, but I think that culture, not necessarily just the on-field performance. I mean, he had a great, don't get me wrong, he had a great season, but he also had a lot of help to say the least, to, to kind of bolster that performance and bolster that production. But that culture, though, that exists there and that, that willing mentality, I think, has been very valuable and is, is, is very much um, uh, uh, impacted and, and has been pervasive throughout the entire Bucks organization. And I also like what they did with the draft in terms of adding their draft, uh, uh, you know, their draft acquisitions with Joe Tryon, um, you know, out of the University of Washington, uh, who's, it, I think, it, it got a potential to be an, an outstanding pass rusher when it's all said and done. Uh, if he can just hone that skill set into a more consistent fashion, this guy, man, whew, guy's limit because this—he's an athletic stud. He's an absolute uh, elite athletic talent. Um, and then Kyle Trask, I think a lot of people are sleeping on that decision with the second-round draft pick. Um, you know, late in the second round, getting him out of Florida. A lot of people have question marks about his arm strength and and you know some of his decision making, but. More often than not, I think he, he makes the right decisions. He's not as polished as a Justin Fields, as a Trevor Lawrence, as a, you know, as a Zach Wilson. I, I understand that. Um, but he, I think he, he can get the job done learning under Brady. And, and maybe at one point, it could be as soon as next year because Brady's only on a, a one-year deal uh, moving forward right now, uh, taking over at the helm. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, uh, yeah, I would have to echo that sentiment that the Bucks won the offseason. Uh, I also think Jalen Darden oh, go ahead. another draft pick that could mesh well, really well with Tom in the slot, Jalen Darden. Jalen Darden. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. camp reports have been glowing about that guy. Yep. I mean, you know, what Jason Light has done in terms of evaluating town, in terms of figuring out, you know, crunching the numbers to get these guys all on the roster, man, it's, it's unbelievable what he's done. So I, I, he's someone I certainly think – you, you should trust their judgment moving forward in terms of acquiring the right talent. You know, you know, Darden coming out of Northern Texas, um, North Texas, like it's a small school, but you know, you know, he was absolute stud last year through nine games, 1190 yards and 19 touchdowns. And you know, if, 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 if Jason light sees something in you, it's got to mean something special potentially is brewing, uh, uh, you know, uh, within his uh, capabilities. So we'll see what happens with that. But speaking of the bucks though, uh, let's just get right into them right now as a, a more uh, in-depth focus. I mean, how likely are they to repeat as Super Bowl champs? Just as likely as anybody else has been in the past, especially bringing everybody back like they have. I, I don't know any other team that I looked at after they won the Super Bowl and they lost less than this team. This team is basically all together. I feel like they can make a run easily to the – to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they're going to win it because it's really hard to do that, but I would not bet against them. Yeah, same here. And what made last season's Super Bowl win for them kind of really make myself a believer is the fact that it wasn't just based on their offense. It was They have a very well-rounded team. Their defense is exceptional. They have a ton of talent on the defensive side of the ball, and that's kind of what pushes me to kind of go the same way that Craig is. Like, do I think they necessarily are going to win the Super Bowl? I'm not sure. You know, you always have injuries. You always have just the the everyday type things that, you know, you get into trouble with in an NFL season. But at the same time, I can't bet against them. They've got 
still that same high level of talent on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And even though there are other teams in the NFL that got so much better this offseason, I don't know if they have every single complimentary piece in place where they can compete with the Bucks. Yeah, I can pr- completely agree with you both. I think the Bucks definitely have a great chance. They're, they're at the top of the conference with, you know, the Rams, the Packers, the 49ers. They're, they're right there. With Tom Brady, you always have a chance. Yeah, it, you know, it, it should be really interesting to see uh, how this season plays out because I think there are a lot of contenders, but the Bucks have to be the favorites right now, at least coming out of the NFC. Um, and, and I think even overall, despite the fact that, man, the Chiefs, with, especially with how they redeem themselves in the offseason, you know, bolstering their offensive line, you know, getting, uh, 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 you know, Orlando Brown, for instance. I mean, it, like th- this this Chiefs team, man, they're, they're coming back. You know, they're, they're certainly got – they have to be their biggest adversary. I mean, you, you look at the Rams and you love their offseason, what they were able to do in, in getting Matt Stafford, Packers, if they get, you know, if they able to retain Aaron Rodgers' services. Vikings even, I think, are kind of an – a dark horse candidate because I, I really like their roster makeup. I know they were disappointing last year, but don't count them out. Don't count Mike Zimmer out. I think he's a very good coach uh, that, that you know, he could win a Super Bowl when it's all said and done, um, if you ask me. I, I think that's very much uh, a potential, uh, um, uh, you know, realization, uh, a, a potential, you know, uh, uh, event that may occur, uh, uh, you know, before he calls it quits in his career. Uh, but the Chiefs have to be their biggest adversary right now. And I, I you know, I'm, I, if I had to go out on a limb right now in the preseason and, and considering the health, you know, uh, situation right now with the Bucks mostly seeming health, seemingly uh, being healthy right now, I have to say the Bucks and Chiefs have to be the Super Bowl favorites in terms of seeing a repeat matchup right now. Uh, but, uh, again, some, a lot of different contenders out there that, that could potentially, you know, pull the rug right out from under them. Uh, uh, but... Yeah, it's in their control right now. Uh, it's up for grabs, but but they have to be favorites right now, I think, unequivocally. Um, Brady's on a one-year deal. I talked about that earlier right now. Uh, so he's signed through this 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 next upcoming year, and then after that, we'll see what happens. I mean, he's going to be 45 at that point going into the 2022 season. How much does he have left in the tank? This is someone who threw 40 touchdown passes, 12, inter- 12 interceptions last year, 4,600 yards. Um, you know, some interesting, you know, reminders that I was uh, I was reminded with, uh, with through doing some research and stuff. The Bucks didn't really rely a ton on play action, so there was not a ton of deception and a lot of disguise within their passing game in terms of disguising whether or not it's going to be a run or a pass. And they were still able to be as productive as they were. Now they've got a ton of weapons, so there's that to take into account. But that predictability didn't really matter because um, they were what 30th in the entire league in terms of play action plays out of all teams offensively. So, you know, considering what Brady was able to do, I know there's some question marks with his deep ball game for a brief period last year. A lot of people were like, oh, is he getting too old? And I said, let's bump the brakes and wait a little bit. Um, but he started home that down the final stretch. Uh, do we expect uh, uh, repeated results 2021 for Tom, age of 44? I think he could play probably like three more years if he wanted to. People had questions about his deep ball, but he actually was first in the league in air yards per attempt. Yeah. He had 9.1 air yards per attempt. He threw for the uh, second most air yards in the league, 2,923, and had 93 deep attempts, which was also first in the league. And we saw it with Drew Brees last year. Whenever, whenever you fall off, you kind of fall off. 
he couldn't push the ball down the field anymore. Brady still has that that throw power. And he definitely has it up here, and we all know that. We've seen that for years. So as long as he wants to play, I think they're bringing him back. And yeah, that's that's the thing for me. I don't think whenever Brady decides to call it quits, I don't think it'll be because he doesn't have any left in the tank. I think it'll be solely because he looks at his situation and says, I've accomplished all that I need to accomplish. I don't have anything left to leave out on the field. It'll end up probably just him saying, you know what? I just don't really feel like playing football anymore. I I don't think he'll ever let his body get out of his hands where, you know, he'll ever get to a point to where his physical abilities are so diminished that he no longer becomes a, a viable option at quarterback. I think, could this be his last season? Sure. Could he, could he play three more years? Sure. I think it'll end up just being whatever his decision is, you know, whenever he I think he's got at least two more years left, honestly. I mean, the way he trains, he's such an innovator in that sense that I don't doubt, you know, that he's got at least two more years left. When you say he has two more years, Ryan, do you think he's going to to uh, re- they're, they're going to try to retain his service, or is he going to remain in the league for two more years, or do you think he just has two years of capability left in? I think minimum, and I believe his he did re up for 2022 actually. So I, I think the next two years he is scheduled. Oh, I'm sorry, my mistake. I meant yeah. to say yeah, he's on a two year deal now. That's right. He, he resigned for one more year, which goes. Oh, that's, that's right. My mistake. So he's got oh, one more year, I should say. Um. Uh. But, yeah, I must, I, I must have done my math wrong. Sorry, I'm not the biggest uh, math nut over here, so bear with me, folks. Um, uh, but, yeah, it, you know, it should be interesting. I, I think, honestly, um, that's right, it was 2022. I thought I must have misread that. So, um, yeah, I, I, honestly, I think the next two years and then he's probably done, if you ask me. I can't see him going beyond that. Um, uh, so yeah, actually, you know, is he, is he going to be at the same level over the next two years is maybe even an even better question. But, um, I think, you know, considering how he talked about his age last year and having that realization that, yeah, I'm getting older, you know, I'm starting to realize that I'm starting to realize that the preparation, you know, is, is getting a little more, uh, uh, you know, a little more grueling, a little more, uh, um, arduous to say the least. And so that could be something that could factor into what he's going to do when he again, turns 45. Um, uh, you know, in his last year of his contract. Um, but I, I absolutely believe, considering that they retained all the other guys on this roster that were such viable weapons and such uh, absolute threats um, in the passing game, They, you know, and obviously within the offensive line, too, because they had a, a stellar offensive line with Ali Marpet and, um, you know, and, and Tristan Wirfs and any rookies. Um, they have to... Uh, yeah, this team is, is destined to repeat as a Super Bowl tender, and this offense has to continue at a high level. I, I can't expect anymore. I mean, you th- he threw for 40 touchdown passes. How much can he really fall off if he threw for 40 touchdown passes last oh, no, year? I mean, let's be real about it. Yeah. Oh, no, that's such a shame. Yeah, I know, he threw right? 35, not 40. Exactly. Oh. I mean, barring, I will say, barring if we saw something like where Peyton Manning fell off the face of the earth in 2015 where, wow, I mean, that, that it was so crazy with Peyton Manning, too. I just want to note this real quick. All the way up until that point, he had never thrown for less than 26 touchdown passes in his entire career, in a single season. And then all of a sudden, he threw for nine in his last year, after 37 the previous year. So, I mean, but but with Peyton, though, he had numerous neck surgeries and things of that nature. Brady has obviously been uh, very lucky because, let's be real, a lot of time it's luck 
in terms of maintaining the health uh, that that uh, uh, that may come into qu uh, question sometimes when you get up to the age of like you know Tom Brady for instance where he's now in his mid 40s. Um, so he's been very lucky with that, and I think uh, as long as he can keep himself lucky, as long as they can keep him protected for one thing, uh, you know he's not taking too many hits. Sky's the limit with him, honestly. It it really is, and he could keep playing for years and years on end. Um, uh, you know. <laughs> He just it's it's like the fountain of youth with this guy, you know, in terms of his, his capability under center. Uh, what should the what side of the ball is more dangerous in your guys' eyes between the offense and defense? Because both are such, I mean, dangerous threats. They're such a versatile team. Uh, which would you say is more dangerous, though, compared, uh, uh, you know, comparing the two? Hmm. Very uh close. Yeah, it's it's not yeah. an, it's not an easy question. You're, you're really giving us some hard I knew, I knew you'd be thinking about this a little bit. You know, <laughs> um, I'd have to go with the defense. Uh, I'm really? just just okay. top to bottom, front to back. This defense is just stacked at every position. And going forward into next season with Vitavea, hopefully you know at peak health. I mean, he came back late in the season, still with an injured ankle, and was still a dominant force at nose tackle. And, again, you, they held on to Ndamukong Sue, who was just awesome with the supporting cast. Yeah, underrated. Jason Pierre yeah. Paul. And, like you said, Joe Tryon is an athletic freak. Yeah. I mean, he is so fast, so strong. I don't think that there is really a, a right <clears throat> tackle that can hold him back right now, yeah. especially okay. if they're having to single-team him one-on-one with that type of speed and just pure athleticism. That's going to be a tough test for anybody in the league. And then they just go out and, and hold on to Devin White and Levante David, two of the probably best linebacking, like one of the best linebacker duos in the league. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to keep talking about it because Shaq Barrett, Antoine Winfield was awesome. Sean Murphy Bunting was great last year. There's really just no weak point in this, you know, starting lineup. And there's even a lot of depth. Steve McClendon came back. Rakeem, Rakeem excuse me, Nunez Roches was awesome. I just see there's so much depth, there's so much talent in this defense, and I, I know the saying goes, defense wins championships, but a defense like this really won the championship last season. It did. They were the MVPs yeah. for sure. Yep. <clears throat> they shut Mahomes down. They got after him. Mm -hmm. That's that's the reason they won the game. If I, I guess, I mean, I was kind of thinking uh, as far as, like, position groups, I, I think their wide receivers are crazy. Oh yeah. They have, oh yeah, they have they have Godwin, they have AB, they got Evans, Tyler Johnson would made some crazy catches last year. They added in Jalen Darden, they got Scotty Miller. I mean that their wide receivers are just stacked. And then now they brought in, like I said earlier in the show, they got Geo at running back, and then they have they brought back Lombardi Lenny, mm -hmm. and they still have Ronald Jones, who Ronald Jones was really good last year. He was, he was. really good yeah, during the regular really season good. last year. I think and, he's supposed to be a stud this year. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I think I think if they give him a little more volume, he could be one of the better backs in the league. But it's going to be tough to get volume when you got Burnett and oh, Bernard there, and they're both capable backs as well. And they're three tight ends as well. I mean, oh, O.J. Oh, oh, Howard. And oh, like, yeah. Don't forget oh, Cameron Brait. That man yeah. is a yes. monster with the ball in his hands. It's, Yaks it's crazy. Yaks they, just, they just have – Gosh. They have guys everywhere. It's insane. It's, it's really insane. hard to say. Oh, I mean, it's wild. Gosh, I, it's just you know, I mean this this 
It's uh, it, it, like th this team is so well rounded. This is like one of the. I, I'm calling me bold for saying this. This is one of the most uh, incredible. Like this is the mo one of the most uh, uh, incredibly assembled teams that I've ever seen, probably in NFL history, considering the town, especially offensively. And I'm actually going to lean on the offense a little bit with this question. It's very close. You can make a great yeah. argument with the defense. Uh, George, you pointed out a lot of great points uh, going throughout the entire, uh, uh, you know, uh, starting lineup within their defense. But you look at this offense. I mean, you know, you got Brady. He's the goat in terms of all, you know, all-time quarterbacks. He's he's absolutely a bona fide, uh, uh, the, the, absolute bona fide greatest greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, Running back with Leonard Fournette, I think he has the capability to be a, a uh, you know Pro Bowl caliber running back. I should have noted earlier about Ronald Jones being destined to be a stud this year. It, it, it depends on how often they use him because, again, they could lean on Leonard Fournette. It, it depends on what their game plan is. Obviously, Giovanni Bernard, you know, how often is he going to get involved, namely in the receiving game? Because uh, I can't imagine he's going to get too involved in the running game. I, I see him more so using him as a receiving back. Um, uh, and, and doing some interesting stuff with him in the passing game in particular uh, compared to the other two in Fournette and Jones. But uh, if they use a twin back set, if they use just one feature back set, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But those guys, you got Mike Evans, who's arguably a, a top 10 receiver. Same thing with Chris Godwin. Antonio Brown, if you ask me right now who's the best receiver in the league, you know, with Antonio Brown finally getting his head on straight and focused up, and now he's, you know, he's, you know, he's healthy. He's, he's ready to go. Uh, I think he's the best receiver in the league when he's healthy, even at age 33. Call me bold for saying this. I still think, still think he played a high level, similar to that uh, of a Jerry Rice, who had arguably his best year of his career at age 33. We could see that from Antonio Brown this year. Hey, he I, was kind of, he was destined to be. If he wouldn't have went bonkers like he did, he was yeah. going to be probably <laughs> one of the best receivers we've ever seen play in the NFL. I mean, Which he I, still I, is, but he just isn't going to have the the stats to back it up. But but those are yeah. I mean he's he's still I think poised to make it to the whole. I mean depending yeah. on the question marks, it'll be interesting to see how the voters because that sexual assault situation still hasn't exactly we have they haven't media and, and, and the NFL hasn't exactly gotten necessarily to the bottom of what exactly took place. But um, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out with his legacy. But uh, you know in terms of the numbers. Yeah, he's arguably a future Hall of Famer in that regard. Uh, and then, but those are three stud wide receivers. And then out of the tight end spot with Rob Gronkowski, who I think you know still think can play at a high level. I know he didn't have the greatest of years last year. <sighs> Maybe this will be different this time around. He's still only 32 years of age. He's not too old. Um, he does have a lot of you know hiccups with injuries to say the least. But but maybe he can find his rhythm now that he's on a more consistent basis. Getting a year under his belt because I think it makes a difference when you take a year off in terms of establishing that consistency as a part. But OJ Howard, an athletic freak of nature, when he gets healthy, man, this guy could be. I mean, th th easily they have the deepest uh, tight end duo in the entire league, or uh, tight end uh, uh, depth, I should say, in the entire league with OJ Howard, and then Cameron Braid, who not too long ago caught eight touchdowns in a season. You know, I mean, th this it's so incredibly deep. And then you talk about the offense line with Ali Marpet and Tristan Wirfs. Donovan Smith, too. I know Ryan Jensen had kind of a bit of an off year, but I think he'll bounce back sooner rather than later. There's just so much to be gaudy about with this offense. It's just everywhere you look, talent-wise, some of the most elite players, Tom Brady, arguably an elite quarterback still. Antonio Brown, if you ask me, I still think he's an elite wide receiver. 
Mike Evans may be an elite wide receiver, wide receiver still at this point. I mean, at, at least top 10. Gronkowski and OJ Howard, I still think they're capable of putting up elite numbers. It's just elite everywhere. And then with the defense, I, I, I know a lot of people, you know, make out, uh, you know, how elite they've been. But I see more so the elite status coming from guys like a Levante David and Devin White, maybe when it's all said. We'll see what happens with Vita Vey because he's still very early on in his career, but he has a tremendous amount of promise. Uh, and then Antoine Winfield Jr. I think those are the, really the three guys you could say who are elite. But with the offense, man, there's so much. There's just even more of that. It's just in, in abundance. So it's it's no knock towards defense. It's just like the offense is just everywhere you look. It's just boom, talent here, talent there. It's just it's it's surreal to say the least. So. It, yeah, I, you can make an argument for either one, but uh, for me, I'd have to lean towards the offense. Um, but 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 again, talking about this defense with their front seven, I think it's arguably the number one in the entire league. What do you guys say in terms of this front seven? How do you rank them amongst the other teams in the league? It's definitely close to the top. I mean, yeah, it's at least top five, no matter who you ask. I mean, you just can't keep them out of the top five. Yeah, with the with the guys they have, like you, I mean, we've all y'all brought up basically everybody in the front seven so i'm not going to rename the names but i mean you can't keep them out of the top five probably the top three at least yeah completely agree i mean it's just there's so much depth in that front seven as well like you've got guys that can come off the bench and are impact players and that in itself should tell you enough about their front seven it's it's yeah it's unbelievable. I mean, and Dam Kung Su still playing at a high level, and Devontae David, the run stopping machine that he is, around you know, telling up over 117 tackles last year. And Devin White, man, this guy. I know that there were a lot of like sloppy plays from him last year, but there were a lot of plays where your jaw was just dropping. And he's just got so much. He's got so much speed, and we've seen it ever since. So ever much since he was in at LSU. I mean, he played running back a little bit in high school too. You kind of see it because the dude is yeah. booking it on every play. Fast. He's all if he can take the next step in coverage, like he'll be scary. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. he he has that capability, and you could also make this argument with Avante David because they're almost like a spitting image of each other in terms of their style of play, in terms of their capability just uh, contributing every facet of the of their game defensively, of their potential game defensively in, in general. So spitting image of uh, 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 of each other that, that could pay homage to someone like a Derek Brooks, who is an all-time legend for the Buccaneers, who did everything well for the Buccaneers back in the, the, the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, going into the mid-2000s. I mean, he was just a jack-of-all-trades as an outside linebacker. Now, uh, uh, you know, Devin White's obviously anchoring down the middle side compared to LeBron to the outside. Um, but... Uh, it's just there's so much versatility within them. It's unbelievable, and you know Jason Pierre-Paul still playing at a high level. I mean, you know he wasn't exactly quite the same guy prior to you know uh, um, you know his injury that he had sustained in his early part where he was just a, a pass rushing phenom. He still is a very good pass rusher though, and he I can't expect anything less from him in terms of being that legitimate threat. Uh, um, you know that that can get you ten plus sacks. Four forced fumbles every season, uh, uh, you know, going into this upcoming year. It's just, it's just everywhere around. They, they're ferocious. They're versatile. They create turnovers. They play swarm tackle football. It's just the, the sky's the limit with this with this front seven and and so much youth on this team too, uh, namely in their linebacking core and in their secondary. And it's just, 
they've got nowhere to go but up as long as they can keep healthy, you know? So it, it, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, and um, as, as we're talking about, like, awesome pass rushers, I mean, we can't forget some of just the other really great pass rushers in this division, and I think that kind of yeah. just brings us straight to New Orleans. Yeah. Straight, straight I, I, to the Big Easy, because come on, guys. Cameron Jordan is yeah. an absolute beast. Like, it doesn't matter what, what, what player's on him. It doesn't matter who's blocking him. He's just going to be all over them. It's and it's year in and year out, and I think even now he's still primed for a huge season this year. Yeah, I, I would absolutely echo that, and he's so versatile. He, you know, speaking on versatility, he's he's a great pass rusher and he's a great run stopper as well. There's just nothing weak within his game, and he also loves to talk some trash. I, yeah, I, I yeah. have to give him a lot of respect. <laughs> he's not afraid to say what's on his mind. You know, he was dishing it out to. The big Ben Roethlisberger, a couple other quarterbacks saying, man, they ain't all that. And I was like, man, these shots fired over here, man. He's, all right, he's... Cam. All right, Cam. Yeah, okay, okay. okay. I see. Hey, but he backs it up, man. Exactly. When it's he all said and done, he can be a future Hall of Famer, you know? He's oh. that He's that much of a stud. Yeah, and, like, Absolutely. his his performance on one side, and I think that's kind of what uh, drove uh, – it was Trey Hendrickson, excuse me, their other um, big defensive yeah. end last season – who just had an absolutely fantastic season for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at that and think, okay, how much of that impact came from the other side of the ball and the interior of their defensive line? Because I do have to say, as much as I liked him in college and as a draft pick, Marcus Davenport has been disappointing, to say yeah. the least, since since joining the, the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I might not be the best to speak on that one. Craig, I know that you, you've uh, followed the Saints for, for a while. Uh, what kind of decisions like that kind of like how do you feel about some of some of those type of additions over the last couple of years i mean davenport is definitely he's been disappointing he still has a chance to like step it up i mean you're learning next to cam jordan so he's gonna hopefully pick some stuff up and just step his game up a little bit because their their defensive line uh, they they could run into some struggles this year. They're not super yeah. deep. It's not it's not the same thing as Tampa. I mean, it's, the Saints ran into a really bad salary cap issue, and they haven't been able to really bring in any kind of depth, like quality depth. So the only thing I think that could hinder their off their defensive line this year is uh, injuries. I mean, they need more from Davenport. They need more from uh, Carl Granderson. They drafted Peyton Turner. 28th overall out of Houston. That's so right, yeah. mm-hmm. hopefully he, he steps in and can be a contributor right away. But we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's just uh, it, the Saints have made better decisions on offense than they have on defense for the most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what we're going to get from the offense or the defense, particularly this year. Because the offense, it could go. It, it, they could go with Taysom Hill or they could go with Jameis Winston, and that's two completely different offenses, which is why I'm kind of confused as to why they haven't picked somebody yet, but we've also seen the Saints keep stuff under wraps for a long time. So I think we're not going to know who the starting quarterback is until week one of the actual NFL season, not the preseason. And, and I'm going to get to just a second. I want to, you know, we since we were talking about the defensive line, I figured we could, we could begin with that, uh, getting into the Saints, you know, talking about, you know, we, we, you know, obviously talking about Cameron Jordan, how special is it, enough said with him because he's just an absolute stud. But that you were talking about Trey Hendrickson, George. Uh, now he's departing 
Mm -hmm. He's departed from the Saints going to Cincinnati. So that's losing 13 and a half sacks and 25 QB hits of production. So how are they going to fill in the void? I think it's a very susceptible defensive line potentially. It all depends because, again, you know, you only see these these backups in a limited amount of time. So will you be able to execute on a consistent fashion? Will Shai Tuttle be able to execute in fashion. Will Mark Davenport finally live up to the hype, you know, uh, considering that athletics, you know, uh, 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 hype he was, he was, you know, he was getting uh, uh, coming out of, uh, uh, you know, coming out of college. And then Malcolm Roach as well. And uh, Carl Granderson, I think he, he could be a very interesting situation uh, moving forward. You know, he, he played in a limited role last year, didn't start any games last year, but had five sacks of production, had almost double-digit QB hits last year. So, if he can, you know, get some more activity this year, it should be interesting to see how he fits within this defensive line. But also, Sean Rankin's gone. You know, I know he wasn't exactly a stud last year, but not too long ago, he was pretty productive within that uh, interior uh, um, uh, on that defensive line. So, you know, that's a big question mark, I think, for them uh, going forward. It, it should be interesting to see, you know, how these guys fill in the void. Losing David Onyemata, who's one of the more underrated defensive tackles in the entire league, he out for six games due to PD suspension. So they've got a lot of, of holes to plug in uh, and keep that defense line uh, afloat so that they're not, uh, you know, uh, getting blown back by offensive linemen uh, uh, in the early part of the season, uh, you know, before they get Onyemata back and, and, and finally establish their rhythm, you know, uh, at the midway point of the season. It, it's, it, it's, I think, a big question mark, but not – as big of a question mark, though, as I think it is the quarterback position. A lot of us has been circulating about what's going to happen with that. Is it going to be Jameis Winston? Is it going to be Taysom Hill? I think it's going to be Jameis when it's all said and done, but I'll tell you what, man. There is – I don't want to say he's he's the next Jay Cutler, but I'm almost worried he is, Okay. Because this is someone who's got a tremendous amount of talent, but he's almost hot and cold. He's almost like at an average level in terms of, you know, there's so many pluses and there's so many minuses. And there's so many, you know, there's so many decisions where you're saying, wow, he just made an unbelievable throw. And there's so many times you're like, what the hell were you thinking? You know, and on top of that, there's some question marks with his maturity as well that, you know, you wonder, is it going to come into play? With him, it's never been a question of his athletic talent. It's always been a mental situation as to whether or not his ego comes into play, as to whether or not he, he's able to handle that pressure and not make costly decisions that lead to turnovers. You know, I mean, this is someone who brought a whole new meaning to 30 for 30 when he <laughs> threw 30 touchdown passes and 30 interceptions in a single season. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays. Who do you guys say right now uh, – uh, Right off the cuff, uh, you know, who, who do you say is going to be starting for the Saints under center in 2021? I, I'm sorry, guys. I think this is going to be one of my rants again. No worries. I'm, Go going, I'm going with Jameis. He, uh, I think his interceptions are a little overblown. Like you said, he did 33 touchdowns with 30 interceptions. But Carson Palmer, his first year in Bruce Arians' offense, threw 24 touchdowns with 22 interceptions. That's true. That's a good point. And uh, Jameis in the red zone, <clears throat> since he came into the league, he's got a 20 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio in the red zone, which is big time for quarterbacks because that's where you you don't want to turn the ball over when you're about to you're about to strike. And uh, 
that's actually higher than uh, Rodgers, that's higher than Brady, that's higher than Mahomes, higher than Russ. Uh, Brady's is 18.9 to 1 since Jameis entered the league. And then also, I mean, we all know he threw for 5,000 yards in that season as well, and that just doesn't happen on accident. He's got that's crazy true. arm talent like, talent, like you said. And he also is, uh, his, since 2015, for quarterbacks with a minimum of 700 uh, passes, he is first and third down conversion rate with 43.6%. That's over everybody. And career-wise, he's in uh, first down rate on dropbacks. He's only behind Manning and Mahomes for, for converting to get a first down on dropbacks. So those are all, I, I can't take uh, credit for those stats. I was listening to a podcast, this guy, he, he's anonymous. His name is Jameis One of One. I guess that's his Twitter handle or something. He found all these stats, except for obviously the 5,000 yards that everybody knows about. But uh, I, I found them really interesting. And everybody talks about how Jameis makes bad decisions, but guys that make bad decisions don't have a 20 to one touchdown to interception ratio in the red zone. And also, I mean, he's been working hard this offseason. He looks like he's in better shape when you just look yep. at his physical appearance. And I've, I feel like his maturity level, he's, he's on a whole nother level than he was when he was in Tampa Bay. I think learning for a year under Breeze kind of gave him a chance to, to actually learn how to be a quarterback in the NFL, not just be thrown in as a 21-year-old and expected to perform. Yeah. And Sorry, you guys. For me, the way that I look at this quarterback competition is the fact that it shouldn't be a competition at all. Taysom Hill's not a quarterback. It's as simple no. as that to me. Yeah. I don't care that whenever he played last season or seasons past when Breeze has been uh, injured, I don't care that the team performed well. You have a great team around you. Just because the team wins and, and the team itself performs well doesn't mean that individual players are performing well. Taysom Hill is not a quarterback. Like, yeah. just looking at him, he's a gadget player. He's a glorified slot receiver. Is he extremely athletically gifted? Yes. Is he an, a valuable piece to Sean Payton's offense? Yes. He is all of those things, but the one thing he is not is an NFL starting quarterback. It's as and simple your, as that. To your point there, uh, if they do have him win the quarterback competition, they that really limits their offense because they can't run the gadget plays that they run with Taysom Hill. So, and you, you don't want your starting quarterback to get injured because he's running the Wildcat. And, that, and that's what Sean Payton brought up. I don't want to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just want to say that's what Sean Payton brought up too about Taysom Hill. If they started him, that would limit their their uh, disguises offensively because yes. you can't really do a ton with Jameis. Now, not to say that Jameis is a bad athlete, but he's just not the athlete that Taysom is, for instance. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, what, what about you, Ryan? What do you say? I agree with you all. I mean, I think. You know, with Jameis, the physical talent has always been there. He has a strong arm, get it downfield. He has size. It's just, you know, if he can cut back on the turnovers, I mean, he's capable of being a top 15 to 20 quarterback in the NFL. And with Taysom, I think his role will remain the same, what it was with Drew. You know, he'll have the situations where he is tough to prepare for. Like, you really, you can throw so many different things at a defense when he's on the field that I think you have to continue that. But, I mean, you guys all touched on it. I mean, he's not a you know, pocket quarterback at the end of the day. So, you know, and I want to be a little fair to Taysom in this regard. I don't think he's a starting quarterback right now. I think he could 
uh, hone his skill set to become one when it's all said and done in his career. Uh, but that's in the that's in the future though. That's right now though, as it is. I wouldn't say he's a starting quarterback. I just I wonder how he'd be able to sustain uh, his his uh, execution under pressure and and, and like you know we're talking about with Jameis and the cannon of the arm that he has. Is he going to be able to drive the ball downfield? Considering his arm strength right now, I, I don't know if he'd be able to do that at a high level quite like the other remaining starting quarterbacks in this league uh, currently are able to. So I, I think it's a big question mark in that regard uh, for him to be under center if that is what could potentially be in their game plan. Now, again, they're 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 like like you said, Craig, they're keeping this under wraps and it. And they will, they'll, they'll continue to do it. That's just what the Saints yeah. do. They always keep those. I mean, nobody even really knew that Michael Thomas was hurt until they're like, he's going to be out for weeks. But also, like like you said about Taysom, and even he's he's 30 years old. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's, gosh. He's a lot, he's a lot older than you think. Yeah, It's a yeah. lot long ago that he came out of BYU. You know, it's it's been a while since he's been in college. I just come to think of it. It's crazy. Yeah, he's only, but he's only been out of college. What did you say earlier, George? Four or five years? Yeah, he's only been an NFL player What's for four or five, five seasons. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he, went, oh, he, went, right. he was at BYU and he went on, probably went on his mission and stuff. Like, well, I think it was because do. he, I think it was because he played so many years of BYU because he, he had injuries. I think he played an extra mm-hmm. one or two years, if memory serves me correctly. Because uh, uh, he was at, at one point a Heisman candidate. I mean, it, at one point at BYU, it was crazy. He was just all over the place with what he was doing there. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously last week we were talking about another former BYU quarterback. They got a crazy tradition with quarterbacks. It's, it's insane to think about when you come to think of it. Um, uh, well, you know, it's it just, it, it'll be interesting to see how, how the Saints go about this. But I, I have to say they're just doing this probably to rile people up and, and have them, you know, you know, uh, uh, generate a lot of buzz about what's going on with their with their situation, and, and make them a more a compelling team to watch this year because they, they will be a fascinating team to watch offensively. They want uh, people like James. us to talk about it. They want people like it's us the, to sit yeah. and talk about it. That's exactly that's what they want. You know? Pull that Jerry Jones approach. <laughs> <laughs> my my thing saying, is right, right? With, with this uh, with this Saints team and the Saints offense mm-hmm. is. Like you said, we don't know like whether it's going to be Winston or Hill or who, but I don't think that the quarterback position is going to be the limiting factor of this offense. I'm looking at this That's wide what receiver. About to bring up. Yeah, I'm looking at this wide receiver group, and woof, it is yes. not good. Like it's looking like as of right now, with Michael Thomas out for the first question mark amount of weeks, they have approximately half of a wide receiver because Traycon Smith is also questionable early in the pre in, in this preseason they kind of ramp up towards the NFL season and after Thomas and Smith you've got yeah, Deontay Harris Mar- Ty yeah. Montgomery and, and Chris Hogan like and yeah. didn't, didn't Deontay Harris get a DUI and he's going to serve a suspension at the beginning of the year uh I'll double check on that but I think you're right um, and so they really don't even have Deontay Harris. They signed a guy out of Tulane that nobody's even ever heard of named Jalen McCleskey. He was pretty productive there, but he's... I mean, they drafted uh, Kwan Baker in the seventh round, so they have that. He was a big play guy for South Alabama, but... Yeah, but of course, he's a smart school guy, so we'll see what, you know, yeah, and, what and, happens uh, with that. Real quick, back to your point about Deontay Harris. Yeah, about a week ago, he was arrested on suspicion of a DUI, and uh, the, te- the team is uh, expecting... A suspension on on him and 
Like, you know, yeah. just looking at this whole group, and it's... It's rough. Oh. It, it is rough, but I think the reason why I would say qu the quarterback being more of a question mark is because Jameis, like, the quarterback is just one guy. And with the wide receivers, I know Michael Thomas is out and he's going to miss a couple weeks, and that that is costly. That is going to be very costly, and especially for whoever it is under center. Uh, having to find someone to throw to you know this is, is a saints team that again like you said they don't have a ton of proven weapons outside of michael thomas and with him having gone uh through ankle surgery and being out of, of the first couple of weeks of the season who's gonna step up that that's i have, I have you know, a that's, crazy a crazy thing that might be a thing that sean payton would do is mm -hmm. maybe they put alvin kamara in the slot and let latavius murray be the starting running back and that's why they brought in Devonte freeman to be the rb2 until that, Thomas comes back. That would be fascinating. I would be interested in seeing something like that play out because he's That's such an absolute... Would, that, wouldn't it be so Sean Payton? That's to do so Sean like that? Payton. That is oh, so, yeah, yeah. Like, just out, of, out, out of nowhere, card, man. first oh, game gosh. of the season, like, all right, everybody's lined up. Is that Alvin Kamara in the <laughs> slot? Are you kidding me? Yeah. All game. And no, that, exactly. Not once in the backfield, only in the slot. Uh, like, that would... So Sean. You got Devontae Freeman and friggin' Latavius Murray handling the handling the carries. And you got Taysom on the other side. Sean, Sean Payne's like like the Charlie Day of the NFL, where he's like the wild card of the NFL. You know, you don't know what to expect from him. You, know? you never know. So it's it's crazy. You know, uh, uh, just unbelievable. Uh, you know uh, what to see from from Alvin Kamara and what he's capable of as, as a receiving back. I would absolutely like to see something like that. I always liked Latavius Murray going back to his uh, um, uh, Oakland days. I mean, he was a, an absolute. I underrated back if you ask me I think he was someone who didn't get his just due in terms of respect and he can hold his own out of the backfield so if they want to do that I wouldn't blame them and they also lost Jared Cook last year you know he's now uh, I believe with the uh, the Chargers if memory yeah he is. Mm -hmm. so um, you know uh, being without that tight end and having Adam Troutman step up you know there's a lot of question marks within this receiving court so I don't blame you one bit in that regard um, but uh, Hopefully Thomas will come back. My expectation is that, you know, considering his resilience and, and you know, how, how much of an athletic stud he is, they'll get him back hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, uh, you know, and then things will be kept afloat at the receiving core uh, with his presence. Because this guy, again, this is not too long ago, this guy set the receptions record. So he can catch a ton of balls. Uh, no problem in terms of taking on that load uh, out of the passing game. But... Yeah, they did lose some weapons, so we'll see what happens, how they how they play out, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, offensively, you know, this year, and how how they're able to get things done um, in, in through the passing attack. Uh, but yeah, Jameis, though, again, not, no questions with the talent, no questions with the the, the film study, because he's a film studying uh, nut who I think doesn't get enough credit in terms of his understanding of the game, and he, he galvanizes a lot of guys too. But some of those costly decisions, I, I just I, I wonder sometimes. Uh, you put you brought up some great stats about him uh, and how productive he can be, but I just think some of those turnovers and just oh they can come back to bite you, man. Uh, but if he can limit those, he could be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, no doubt about it. You know, uh, it's just and he's still young. He's still what I mean, I'm the same age as him, you know, and I'm you know at 27, so he's still very, very young at this point in his career and and, and a lot left to prove. Um, but speaking on Alvin Kamara, what can we expect this year? I mean, this is this is a guy who had 21 touchdowns last year, 1,688 yards. He's almost like the new 
Matt Forte of the league where he just does everything well um, as a running back. Uh, and, and But the, the expectations are even loftier for him. Uh, what can we expect this year uh, coming from Alvin Kamara? I think he can get his first 1,000-yard rushing season, especially they're, they're missing their wide receivers, so they might have to lean on the run game a bit more. And he might even get more passing work than he has in the past, which is crazy because yeah. he's – his first three seasons, he had 81 receptions. Last year, he had 83. And this year, to think he could have more than 83 receptions at a, as a running back is is pretty crazy. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of volume in the receiving game for a running back. So, I think he could have a great season. I mean, their their offensive line's pretty good. Their their receiving weapons are bad right now until Thomas comes back. But he's he's so talented. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet against a guy to go for a thousand and probably, let's say maybe like seven hundred receiving, because he had seven hundred fifty-six receiving last year. So that's not that's not far fetched at all. Yeah, yeah outside of their say? offensive line, uh, offensively, like he's the only known commodity they really have right now. I mean, yeah. with the quarterback position, with Michael Thomas, with Jared Cook. I mean, it's a great point out i mean he's the one known that you have so you have to expect big things from him and he's got the talent yeah and that's exactly where i'm going with that uh, is that he's certainly physically gifted enough he's got all the talent in the world to, to work with and the only thing for me is is whether he'll be able to really stand up to essentially having to be the focal point of this offense for the first however many weeks because we still don't know when when Michael Thomas is going to be healthy, when this uh, wide receiver group is going to be able to be whole in its current state. So Alvin Kamara is going to have to be the focal point of this offense, and we'll see whether what type of defenses get dialed up against him, what, what type of um, kind of structure that they end up playing with, uh, you know, the Saints themselves end up playing with with their running back being the focal point of their offense as opposed to, you know, Michael Thomas as, as one of the better receivers in the game of football. Yeah, I, he, you know, it's, gosh, Kamara, man, the, the year he had last year was sensational. And I think we'll see, uh, uh, and, and, you know, a, 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 an increase in production this year. We're considering, you know, we, you guys brought up so many great points about the receiving core and about the weapons that are, are lost off this uh, off this offense from last year with Jared Cook being out and obviously Thomas being out with in, with an injury. Um, I could see this guy eclipsing 2,000 all-purpose yards this year. I could see 1,100 yards and 800 to 900 yards receiving uh, when it's all said and done. Um, you know, and especially if this offensive line stays healthy. I mean, you got Ryan Ramchick, Andrews Pete, Teron Armstead. Um absolute studs on the offensive line paving the way for him and and considering how slippery and shifty of a back that Alvin Kamara is I mean he's not the fastest guy but he's so laterally quick and so so slippery I mean no one could just seem to gr get a grip on him when they're trying to tackle him it's unbelievable how many breaking how many broken tackles this guy is able to generate um uh uh you know with with, with his run style uh there's the sky's the limit for him, honestly. This year, this could be an MVP candidate candidate season this year. I, a lot of people were talking about him being an MVP candidate last year. I wouldn't say quite so much uh, compared to some other running backs, and obviously the, the quarterbacks who generally get all the love with the MVP voting. <laughs> um, uh, you know, compared to guys like a, a you know uh, uh, um, Dalvin Cook and a, 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 a Derrick Henry, but this year could be the year where he gets that MVP love. I mean. 
it, 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 man, the Saints, they'll be feeding him the ball quite a bit this year in, in every every possible way they can, honestly. Um, but uh, arguably their biggest rival in the division for the Saints is the Carolina Panthers. And certainly a lot of question marks this year in Matt Rule's second campaign as the Panthers head coach. Um, but before we get into him real quick, let's let's talk a little bit about Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's the hot topic uh, surrounding the, the Panthers buzz right now. Is he going to be able to bounce back from injury this year? Uh, you know, this is someone who it, it was absolutely plagued with injuries last year. Um, you know, it, 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 it was rough to say the least for him, um, you know, considering what he had to go through uh, uh, and, and the Panthers season as a whole last year, repeating as five at five and 11. Um, uh, can we expect a similar result from two years ago where Christian McCaffrey was, I mean, breaking records out of, out of the backfield, both as a receiver and as a rusher? I think so. I mean, just he's such a dual threat. He's so dynamic. He's got ridiculous speed, hands, and you would hope that the surrounding talent is better. I mean, really. And if he does, he, he's definitely one of the most talented in the game. And I think that he he's pretty far off the injury now, and it wasn't a se severe injury. It was just kind of like a lingering injury. So I think coming into this season, he's healthy. They got Darnold. They got uh, Terrace Marshall in the draft to replace what they lost. And I mean, he's not the same type of player as Curtis Samuel, but to give him a high-end third receiver, they have Robbie Anderson. They still have DJ Moore. They brought in Dan Arnold at tight end, who's mm -hmm. a really uh, underrated receiving tight end. He used to be a wide receiver in college, so he he can catch the ball easily. I mean, he I think he went for 600 and something yards uh, receiving with the Cardinals last year. So I expect him to uh, work from the slot maybe as a tight end, get some slot snaps, and he'll be more of their receiving tight end, whereas Ian Thomas will be their blocking tight end. And I think that Christian McCaffrey is going to eat like he always does. I mean, he's he's definitely one of the most talented running backs in the league. Uh, the only one that I could maybe put above him, but he's definitely injured a Saquon. Yeah, and, and my thing about is, you, George? if we're looking at all these pieces and everything that they're putting together, George, especially focusing... I think George looks like... Um, well, so either I, froze or he could keep yeah. his eyes open for a long time. <laughs> I was about to say, y'all are frozen, y'all are frozen um, for so me as well. So I'll answer this, I guess. Um, can you hear? There he is. Oh, I was about to say, you guys all froze. I can hear you guys just fine. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, you were just frozen looking like Frankenstein for a second, so it looks like you're all good now. <laughs> I was going to look like Adam Gase. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. I'd like this. <laughs> yeah, but oh, um, lo looking more at like Christian McCaffrey's role, especially with uh, who's running this team, Matt Rule and Joe Brady. I mean, I just look at the absolutely insane college season that Clyde Edwards-Elair had under Joe Brady, and I look at that and say, look, Clyde Edwards-Elair is already a good running back in the NFL. McCaffrey is that same style, just leagues better. I mean, yeah, McCaffrey's absolutely. already had. We talked about Kamara maybe having a 2,000 all-purpose yard season. McCaffrey's already done that. He said, been there, done yeah. that. I can do that in my sleep at this point as long as I can stay on the field. And with this upgraded offensive line, with the amount of weapons around him, so defenses won't necessarily just be pinning their ears back and trying to get after him, I think McCaffrey could be in line for a huge year. And I think, and we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, I just think all the pieces that are like in this offense right now 
are perfectly suited for the type of offense they're going to run under Joe Brady. Sam Darnold, I think his athleticism is underrated. I think he showed that with the Jets. I mean, there are a couple times where uh, it just opened up and he said, man, I've got to tuck this and run. And there are a couple really big runs from Darnold. I think he's athletically gifted. I think the rest of this offense is perfectly built for a Joe Brady style. Terrace Marshall's already played under him. He already knows what he's getting into. So I would expect him to perform well. Just overall, I think schematically and the the pieces that are put in place by uh, Rule and the general manager, it's just perfect. It's just a perfect marriage of the type of offense they're going to end up running under Joe Brady. And they draw also uh, blocking tight end Tommy Tremble as well. Oh, yeah. Oosh. You yeah. can't even forget about Tremble. Yeah, all and, well. and we didn't bring it up earlier, but Mike Davis was super, like, he he, he just racked up the stats. He was, yeah. he was very productive for them, and he is not half the running back that Christian McCaffrey is. And don't even forget, they went out and got Chuba Hubbard, too. I mean, and if you're a, yeah. if you're a college football guy, he has been insane. Yeah. Two thousand yards two years yeah. ago, right? Yeah, I, I love watching Oklahoma State football, and he was a huge reason why. Honestly, he he is an absolute stud. I felt like he was slept on in the draft. A lot of people said, "Well, he doesn't have the the, the maybe the shiftiness as other backs, and he doesn't have the power of like a Najee Harris, for instance, and or, or shiftiness of a Travis Etienne, for instance." But I just think this is someone who just. That, you know, he has that like gradual speed, that incredible game speed. That he's almost like a Ferrari, where he just kind of picks up, uh, like or, I, I shouldn't say Ferrari, but like a, a like a another like type of car where it, it's like gradually picking up so much speed to where by the end, you know, th- there's no one that can catch him. You know, he, he's just that kind of guy that has so much speed that he can he can uh, generate over time uh, uh, if you if you give him an opening. And and that that north to south speed, you know that you know maybe not the, as much lateral quickness as other guys, but but man, he he, he when he turns on the afterburners, man, this guy is a big run machine. Yeah, he's like yeah. a he's like a track star kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, exactly. If, if he hits the hole, exactly. if he hits an open hole, he is gone. And he just kind of had a bad season last year. I think uh, a lot of it was from his falling out with Mike Gundy. And uh, I think he didn't really want to play there anymore, but he had already committed to playing there another year. He's yeah, just stuck by it. He's had it down here. I'm going to so I we're I, you know we expand a lot on the offense just now and I'm segueing to our next question with Sam Darnold, but um, I'm going to have an interesting take with that because you guys were very optimistic about the Panthers and I I, I have a uh, an interesting response to to how I think maybe if you ask me like how things I I think will play out, but with, with Christian McCaffrey. I will say he's going to have a good year this year. I do think he'll have a thousand yards, five hundred yards, uh, thousand yards rushing, five hundred yards receiving. They're going to utilize him out of the backfield. I mean, this is someone who caught just a couple years ago, one hundred and nineteen catches out of the backfield. <laughs> Insane yeah. as a running back. And and I know it's easier to catch passes out of the backfield compared to catching passes, you know, down the middle. Uh, I'm sorry, one hundred sixteen receptions. Still breaking an NFL record. I read that wrong, but still breaking the record. Twenty three hundred ninety two yards from scrimmage last year. Um, uh, so just an incredible, incredible uh, uh, potential from him. And he's only, what, 25 now? So he's still got so much uh, left in the tank. And, and I know he had a lot of injuries last year. It was the thigh, it was the uh, the shoulder, it was the, uh, I think he had a hip injury as well. Um, you know, uh, uh, so, it, uh, or it was a high ankle sprain, excuse me, as well. 
um, not yeah. a hip injury, but um, a hip injury was from years ago back in college, but um, uh, back in Stanford. But uh, I think the reason why I don't expect big results from him has to do with the question marks out of the passing game and kind of alleviating some of that pressure. And a big thing is the offensive line. I have a lot of question marks about this offensive line. Taylor Moton saw right tackle. Okay, you got him at least a place at right tackle. They just retained his services. I believe he was uh, uh, they signed him to a longer-term deal uh, just recently. And then outside of that, though, you got Cameron Irving at left tackle, Pat Elfline at, at left guard, and Matt Paredes at, at center, John Miller at right guard. These guys are, are just some huge, huge question marks that really make me wonder whether or not Christian McCaffrey is due for a huge season. He's due for a Pro Bowl caliber season because he's just that special of a talent. He'll overcome that to have a Pro Bowl caliber season. But the All-Pro year we saw a few years ago where he had almost 1,400 yards on the ground, almost five yards of carry, you know, with 119, 100, uh, uh, 116 catches rather than 1,000 yards receiving. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see that similar type of production this year. Um, it, it's, you know, just... Uh, and which is a shame, I mean, because that was the first time we saw a thousand, a thousand yard guy outside of Marshall Falk, and then um, uh, 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 of course Roger Craig, who also caught a thousand, uh, rushed for a thousand and caught a thousand as well. So, it, it, it just a big bummer to see, you know, uh, uh, to that we could potentially be, uh, you know, uh, you know, in line for right now in terms of seeing Christian McCaffrey really, uh, you know, be able to execute his talent to its maximum level considering the question marks at the offensive line because this is probably one of the worst offensive lines in the entire league if you ask me so i don't know it's not the injuries it's just the surrounding question marks that come into play uh that have nothing to do with christian mccaffrey and everything to do with his supporting cast but let's take with us to to sam darnold do you guys believe he's going to resurrect his career in carolina or were the traits that we saw and the uh, uh, the consistent disappointments we saw in New York attributed more so to his play? I don't think he's going to, honestly. I think the poor decision-making, the mistakes are just very hard to overcome. I mean, he's definitely in a better situation now, but just, I mean, misreads, turnovers, and just a lack of big plays, really. He doesn't throw the ball downfield a ton. I just don't really see it. What about you guys? I'm a little bit more optimistic for him. I think he's still got a lot of arm talent. He's definitely athletically gifted, like I was saying earlier. He, he can make plays on his own with his legs when he has to. And there were j like just enough of those flashes of just incredible play with the Jets, with the absolute barren wasteland of talent that he had there. <laughs> Uh, at the time, yeah. you know, gotta, gotta now sure it's a different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's but, a different story. <laughs> but um, you know, at the time, he just had absolutely nothing to work with, and now he's essentially got one of the best running backs in football while healthy. He has a really not not just you know high end wide receiver group, and also a very deep wide receiver group. He's got a good safety blanket in Arnold, and I think a lot of or some of those kind of question marks on the offensive line might be a little bit kind of overstated. Like, of course, we said Taylor Matone is an awesome right tackle. Um, Cameron Irving, he was a first-round draft pick. You, you don't just take yeah. those guys for nothing. And then in the wings, you've got a guy like Greg Little, who I watched a lot of in college. His college tape is, is great. He's got a lot of length. He's got a lot of, like, just strength and, and physical abilities there. Pat Elfline is, again, a former pro bowler. 
And then you've got two veterans in Paredes and Miller. You know, you've got these guys that they might not be, you know, the, the top end, the best of the best, but they're all solid NFL players. You've got, I would say, at, at worst, a mediocre offensive line. And with the type of talent in the skill positions, that might be all you need. I think I mean, he has a chance ahead, at, I think he has a chance to get like having a, a good season. I don't think he's going to be a pro bowler or anything, but I, I think he could definitely be a serviceable, serviceable quarterback. We had Teddy Bridgewater there last year and he supported uh, three, what 2000 yard receivers did Curtis yeah. Samuel was a thousand yards overall, but he didn't get a thousand yards. No, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson had the yeah. thousand each. Yeah. And that was under Teddy. And I mean, Sam Darnold's going to push the ball down the field more than Teddy Bridgewater did. And I think that Joe Brady is such a good offensive coordinator that he's going to scheme things to where it works to Sam Darnold's strengths. Whereas whenever he was in New York, he was just playing under Gase, just not doing anything. He had, Frank Gore and Jamison Crowder, and that was his weapons. I mean, it, with with the step up that he's getting and uh, the weapons that he has, he has to be at least a serviceable quarterback, I think. He has the traits to be a good quarterback. I don't know for sure that he is a good quarterback, but he's in a good situation to at least perform well this year. And they passed up Justin Fields for him, so they obviously see something in Darnold that the, the officer coordinator, uh, Joe Brady, and Matt Rule obviously see something in Darnold if they passed up fields to, to keep him as their starter. I think, I hate to do this because here's, truth be told, uh, y'all know I'm a Bears fan, uh, so I'm so stoked to have Justin Fields for one thing. Thank you so much, you Carolina, for passing up on him. Yeah, you Thank should. you so much, Giants, as well, uh, for trading with us as well. Uh, that was uh, incredible. Um, but uh, before we get it, get in, uh, we'll save that obviously for the NFC uh, North preview. But um, uh, before I was a Bears fan, I actually was a Carolina Panthers fan. I grew up in South Carolina, so that was the team to cheer for um, uh, in the NFL, even though they're obviously stationed in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and, I want, and I'm also a USC fan, both with the Gamecock and with the Trojans, and I really like Sam Darnold. Uh, coming out of, of USC, I felt like he went to an unfortunate situation in New York that really plagued him. They didn't do him any favors whatsoever, uh, considering surrounding him with a talent, considering surrounding him with a competent coaching staff, so on and so forth. It was an absolute catastrophe. And I, I'm sorry, but, you know, I know we got a couple of Jets fans in here, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, you know, it, it, they use the, the, the acronym J-E-T-S, meaning just endure the suffering for for a reason. Like, I'm just saying, yeah. it's been rough over the last few years for the Jets. So it, 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 now, finally, there's a lot of optimism with them. But, we, well, you know, we obviously, you guys probably talked a lot about that last week in the AFC East preview. But, uh, but with Sam Darnold, man, coming to Carolina, I want to say there's a ton of promise. But I think considering the offensive line, and the, and the leaky holes within that. And I got a lot of questions about this staff, too, on the offensive side of the ball with Matt Rule, with Joe Brady. I know Joe Brady had was, was he had that incredible year as a passing game corner, but let's also take into account that he was the passing game corner, not the OC for LSU back in 2019 when Joe Burrow had that historic season with just in about every possible way uh, uh, through that offense, not even just with Joe Burrow, but with other guys, uh, including Jamar Chase, of course, has joined the, the Bengals this year. 
um, as a top five pick. Um, you know, I, I expected more from Joe Brady to get Teddy Bridgewater going last year. I know Teddy Bridgewater isn't the most exceptionally talented guy, but I thought at least he would throw for 20 touchdown passes and they would win seven to nine ball games last year. They didn't. They fell very short of where I thought they would be. And I'm worried we're going to be destined for repeated results too, especially too with Matt Rule at the helm because Matt Rule has not exactly been the quarterback whisperer throughout his career. You know, he, he turned around programs with Baylor and with Temple in college. We get that. But there was an exceptional quarterback, but it wasn't like RG3 was under the the uh, uh, the uh, umbrella of Matt Rule's reign. You know, it, you know who was a former ba Baylor quarterback, for instance. It, it wasn't like we saw, you know, uh, um, uh, you know any. It wasn't like he was he was responsible for Patrick Mahomes, you know, success in in college. Deshaun Watson, some of these hot shot quarterbacks in the league right now, uh, who are killing it. Um, you know, uh, and those two. Uh, when he was, you know, at the helmet Temple and in, in, in um, uh, at Temple and then at, at Baylor. So I got a lot of question marks. I didn't see that that development honestly uh, from the quarterback spot, and and I got a lot of question marks as to how he's going to follow it up this year. It's going to be very interesting. He's he does turn around programs, he, and and that could include the Carolina Panthers when it's all said and done. But man, it, it's a big mystery right now. I want to say he's going to succeed. I know he has the, the physical talent to succeed, and he's got that mental uh, resilience to succeed. I believe so. Um, if they the, the Jets didn't already break him, you know, I, I really believe he wants to succeed, and he's going to do everything within his power to. But man, I just, I, I, it, there could be a better situation he could be surrounded with coming from the offensive line and coming from the, the, uh, the coaching staff that could come into play when it's uh, when we uh, fast forward to uh, uh, you know the, the the final stretch of the season and, and it finally get to evaluate what he's been able to accomplish. Um, but speaking on Matt Rule, obviously you guys know my thoughts on him. Uh, I, you know I, I I know they signed him to a, a lengthy deal, uh, but it, it could be interesting to see how much pressure is on him to step up in year two. I know David Tepper, their owner, uh, is is very eager to get this team into a winning fashion. Um, what do you guys think about the pressure that's on Matt Rule to step it up in year two? I don't think that there's a ton of pressure because they've only had one winning season in the last five years. So, I mean, last year wasn't ideal winning only five games, but you're also without your all-pro running back, and now you're bringing in another quarterback. I think they'll give him – I mean, I could see next year where he, he'd be under a little bit more pressure, but this year they probably just want to see a little bit of improvement if they finish close to 500, I think that would be fine. And as long as you're you're working in the right direction, I don't think he's got a ton of pressure on him at the moment. Yeah, I completely agree, Craig. I think when you sign him to like a seven-year contract like they did, I mean, in only year two with a new quarterback that they're trying to figure out, I think he's definitely got time here. Yeah, yeah 100%. I, at this point, I don't even have a picture of the leash for him, you know. Like you guys said, when you sign him to that long of a contract and that type of deal, you have to expect that, you know, they expect the team to be a rebuilding one, to be one where they're still accumulating talent and trying to put it all together. And you have to keep in mind, you know, he is a new NFL head coach. This is his first stint with, you know, an NFL franchise. I, you know, and the only reason why I bring that up is because, you know, 
we, we, we still haven't exactly figured out how David Tepper plans to uh, control his reign as an owner. He's very early on in his ownership, you know, obviously taking the helm from Jerry Richardson, who was obviously ousted due to the, you know, sexual harassment situation that occurred uh, within the workplace environment. So we don't we don't exactly know what his his approach is going to be long term. Uh, you know, now that this is the first guy, he's really, you know, invested a lot in long term. Uh, but I, I wonder, I do wonder what could happen if this were to take a step back from last year. If they were to fall to like three and thirteen, or two and fourteen, or God forbid, for their case, uh, one and fifteen. And, and like I said, I, I used to be a Panther fan, and I'm rooting them on, and I want to see them succeed. But I think with the coaching staff, I, I just, I, I, you know, I, with, 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 with some of the unproven aspects in that regard from, from some of the coaching staff, and with that offensive line. You know, and, and it's still some question marks defensively. They got some talent defensively, and I really like their draft. But it's some, they made some good decisions. Terry Marshall Jr., man, whew, I, that guy could be an absolute stud when it's all said. He could be a, a, a number one receiver. Uh, uh, he was, he was going crazy this year before crazy. he knocked out. Mm-hmm. That, that LSU team from a couple years ago was stacked with talent. It wasn't just Joe Burrow. It wasn't just Jamar Chase. It was everywhere you look. Clyde Edwards there. Justin Jefferson. Incredible. I loved it so much. It was, it was the best thing I've ever watched on TV, watching that, it, LSU that year. I, like, I'm going to be honest, as a, as a Gamecocks fan, I hate LSU. <laughs> But my God, they were mesmerizing. It was so fun to watch. I, I feel like so even fun. if I was an LSU fan, just just watching that offense is, it was just a pleasure every time I saw it. You know, with Joe Brady as well. Yeah. With Joe Brady as well. Yeah. Yeah. With Joe because Brady because he was the he was the passing game coordinator, but he was more of I feel like a as an LSU fan, the play caller because Insminger kind of gave him the reins, and you could see last year. The offense was a little bit different, and it was because it wasn't Brady calling the plays. It was Ensminger, which I imagine Brady was running things through Ensminger before they called the plays, but he was like, yeah, just do it. Go ahead. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah, yeah it'll, it'll be it, – it'll, it should be interesting to see how he's able to, con- you know, control the offense this year now that uh, he may have more uh, reign um, on how the offense operates uh, moving forward. Um, I just think, you know, he had that great 2019 season as a passing game coordinator, but that was his only real proven time uh, where he executed in a dominant fashion uh, offensively as a coach who had a lot of authority, you know? Because yeah. that was that was the only year as a passing game coordinator, and then boom, right up to the NFL, made him, uh, uh, you know, the OC uh, for the Carolina Panthers. So, I, I you know... It's just a lot of question marks that I wonder come into play. I'm, I'm rooting them on. I have nothing against them. I just, it's just, it'll be interesting to see how this plays because it, it, it's just a lot of, a th- lot of questions left unanswered, a lot of unproven uh, situations that may come into play. But yeah, like I said, the, the draft, I thought they, they did a nice job getting Terrace Marshall Jr. Shy Smith, I think could be underrated. Shout out to my Gamecocks. Uh, a, a, a solid route runner that I think could be very viable moving forward. Chuba Hubbard complimenting Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. Uh, Rodney Smith, even, too, coming out of Minnesota, too, I think could be interesting as well. Don't um, forget uh, about David Moore, either. Yeah, and David Moore, yeah. Former former uh, Seahawk joining the mix, yeah. too. And he was um, solid. He was solid there as their wide receiver. Yeah, three. He, he, he was nice to watch. He was nice to watch, most definitely. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I just... 
it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out uh, uh, for for 2021. But let's let's move on to the Falcons um, down in Atlanta. You, you know, th this is a team that, my goodness, they, you know, just a couple years ago, they were on the cusp of winning the Super Bowl, and then the 28-3 comeback happened. And here we are right now where they have just been, they've dwindled to a team that we no longer take seriously, that we that we consider an afterthought, unfortunately. And that's unfortunate because someone like a Matt Ryan, who I think, in my opinion, is a future Hall of Famer. It just wasted production. So uh, I, I just, you know, seven and nine, seven and nine, then four and twelve this last year, and and, and it's just it, it's it's just been an absolute mess for this team all around. And they just lost Julio Jones, either receiving core. I still think he has plenty left in his prime, even at the age of what thirty-two now. He still can play as a top-notch bonafide elite receiver. I think I still think he's arguably a top two receiver in the league. He just hasn't been, he wasn't the healthiest last year, but he still averaged over 85 yards receiving. He's a complete receiver. He's not just a speed threat, but he's a physical, you know, you know, power forward like receiving threat as well. Um, how costly is the loss for Julio Jones? And, and furthermore, what's the likelihood of Calvin Ridley building off his top notch 2020 campaign to become that true number one receiver? Uh, uh, that uh, Julio Jones was moving forward. I want to say that it was it's super costly, but as bad as their team is, I don't think it's super costly at all because I feel like they're in this weird spot where they should rebuild, but they want to they want to contend right now. But you let Julio go, you still kept Matt Ryan. They probably should have drafted a, a quarterback instead of getting Kyle Pitts, which Kyle Pitts is a great tight end, one of the best tight end prospects we've seen in a long time, but you could have went out and got a quarterback. You could have traded away Matt Ryan, because like you said, he is a very good NFL quarterback. You could have got something in return for him and just started the rebuild. But they're in this awkward spot where it should be rebuilding, but they're keeping players on the team. Who knows why? Their defense is really bad. Their offense is okay. Their offensive line's not great. It, it's just a weird spot, and I think losing Julio isn't isn't as bad as we want to think it is. And Calvin Ridley, I don't think it really affects him at all because he was performing with or without Julio on the field. I think it affects the offense, but I don't think it affects Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Craig. I think if they were still in that Super Bowl window, I would say it was a big loss, but you got a second round pick for him. He's had injuries the last like four or five years now, for being honest. And you just drafted Kyle Pitts as well. So to me, it's it's not that big of a loss at this point for the Falcons. Yeah, it almost seems like it would be more of a loss in terms of you're losing a guy who has been synonymous with the franchise for you know the last pretty long period of time yep. where that's essentially been what the Falcons are. The Falcons are Matt Ryan. The Falcons are Julio Jones. And in terms of what Calvin Ridley, you know, what that means for Calvin, I don't think it means all that much because he was already essentially performing the duties of a wide receiver one. He was already producing like a wide receiver one all of last season. And I think this will just essentially give him – more targets and I think he's already at that level where he can perform as the number one guy in a wide receiver room he just needed more targets and now he's got them 
As for the whole question of what is this team, I don't know. It's it's really difficult to kind of piece together. And like we were talking about with Matt Rule and Joe Brady, they're a very young group of coaches. You've got a very similar situation going on here. You've got Art Smith, who I was extremely impressed with as his time as the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. I, I think he's a very smart guy. Mm-hmm. And I think his offense can be run at an NFL level, and that's pretty clear. The only issue is I don't It's like we lost Oh, there we go. I, I don't know. Sorry, if I thought he's... we lost you, my bad. Sorry. Again? <laughs> no, Again? you're good. You're good now. Okay. You're good now. Um but I I just don't know if right now he has the personnel for it. You know, I don't know if Matt Ryan has the same type of um athletic ability as even a guy like Ryan Tannehill. And Craig, they did draft a quarterback. They just drafted Felipe Franks. I thought he was an undrafted right. free agent. Was he undrafted? Wasn't he, he was a UDFA. Was he really? I'm pretty sure. Check it. Somebody, I guess he was. Somebody, I'm looking at it now. I guess, yeah, he was. I mean, he's got, yeah. he's got the athleticism to be the Ryan Tannehill type. Yeah. He was UDA. Yeah. He, he was UDFA. You're right. But still, I mean, UDFA. even then, like, yeah. you've seen enough Felipe Franks in our time to. Uh, Nobody to, wants to see any more Felipe Franks. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm okay on that Damn, one. Damn, shots like, fired on that one. <laughs> Uh, it's deserved. Um, <laughs> but uh, I thought he was going to be so good. I'm so glad that he decommitted from LSU when he was. Yeah, he was. He was disappointing at Florida. I, I will say, I was expecting more from him than, and then going into, because uh, um, like, I mean, it wasn't that he was bad at Florida, but I expected them to finally have that elite quarterback play like we saw with Kyle Trask last year, and we didn't really, frankly, see that with his time at Florida. Nor did we obviously see that. Uh, in his time in Arkansas, either, but um, you know, I, gosh, um, uh, it, I honestly think we're undercutting a little bit. If you ask me about the loss of Julio Jones, because yeah, he's dealt with some injuries, but I mean, you look at the outside of last year, he's only really missed four games in the in the previous six years, going from 2014 to 2019. So uh, you know, it's not like he's been out too long outside of this last season where he missed seven games. Uh, but he does have an injury history because this wasn't the first time where he's missed the majority of the year, uh, you know, like like he did when he tore his ACL back in 2013. He can still play at a high level, and I think honestly, taking out that weapon, and yeah, you're replacing him with a Kyle Pitts, but he's at the tight end spot. Is t- is Kyle Pitts going to be as productive as a receiver as Julio Jones is? I don't know See, about that. That's that's not exactly what I was trying to get at. What I was basically saying is the loss of Julio is not going to really affect their win total overall. Exactly. It doesn't affect the whole team. It might affect the offensive numbers. Okay. But as as far as like team wise, it's they they're bad they're either way. Bad. They're bad with Julio and they're bad yeah. without. Julio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's true. That's true. They, they do have a lot of a lot of issues uh, um, within that defense, uh, uh, within that offensive line, even which isn't awful but it isn't great outside of really what jake matthews who's their only really consistent um uh pass blocking uh stalwart that they have uh but i think it could subtract a couple wins potentially losing julio i mean he wanted out of atlanta so that's why he ended up departing we we all get that so it wasn't the falcons fault necessarily and they they said you know we'll, we'll send you out and we'll oblige your request and send you off to tennessee where obviously Talk about greener pastures, man. He's he's going to a great uh, situation with Vi- Mike Vrabel and Ryan Tannehill, and you got Derek Henry to help you out, and AJ freaking Brown. My goodness. Um, but uh, the Falcons, man, it's 
gosh, with losing Julio Jones, I mean, that's that is their number one receiver. He, I still believe he would have been the number one receiver had he stayed there this year, even over Calvin Ridley. It'll be interesting to see Calvin Ridley take on more reps and, and be leaned on more for production this year because last year was his first like real true breakout Pro Bowl caliber season. I, even though he, I believe he got snubbed of the Pro Bowl last year. Um, but uh, an absolute stud of a route runner, like I was saying earlier, just a, a tremendous, tremendous athlete. Uh, uh, Marvin Harrison-esque, maybe even, in terms of his route running capability with Antonio Brown speed. I mean, that's the, the comparable uh, traits that I see within him. I mean, this is someone who had almost 1,400 yards last year, over 15 yards per catch and nine touchdowns. And I expect bigger results this year. And with Kyle Pitts, too, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, the, the fold as well, um, you know, he's going to be helping alleviate some of that pressure off him. But at the same time with Kyle Pitts, I don't see what, think we'll see the same type of production that could make up for the loss of Julio Jones to yield more wins or adjust as many wins even maybe um, uh, for this upcoming season because Kyle Pitts, for one thing, he's a rookie. And the second thing is he's a tight end. He's a special tight end who, you know, maybe the greatest tight end prospect we've ever seen. Uh, and he's incredibly fast for a tight end, no doubt about that. But uh, you know, in fact, I actually have the expectation that he's going to catch 800 yards and eight touchdowns at a minimum this year, at a minimum. Okay, and then, uh, but uh, so I expect big things to come from him. But you know, I don't know if he's going to be be able to take over as like a 1400 yard kind of guy in terms of that production level that maybe they need to fill in the voids of of where they suffer defensively, where like you know the. Like we were talking about earlier, outside of Grady Jarrett and uh, Dion Lewis, they don't have a ton to 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 look at and, and be in shock and awe about uh, in a positive way defensively. There's just not a ton of defensive talent to lean on. So uh, uh, and with Matt Ryan getting older, that certainly doesn't help. He's already at over the hump of 35. So you know, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out offensively. Um, uh, what do you guys, by the way, think is the ceiling for Kyle Pitts? How impactful do you think he'll be in his rookie year in terms of his type of production? I think that he can be very impactful, especially, like you said, with Julio gone. I mean, they need somebody to pick up the slack. I mean, I know that Gage is going to get probably a little more targets than he did last year, but Pitts should come in. It's always a little bit harder for tight ends to adjust the NFL, but I feel like they're going to use him more as a, a receiving threat than an actual tight end, like an inline tight end. They have Hayden Hurst for, to be their inline tight end. But one quick question for you, David, on uh, the loss of Julio, would them keeping Julio really uh, affect how you view them inside of the division? Because either way, I would still have them probably finishing yep. last. That's that's another thing with the uh, with the loss not being that huge because no, they're, no, they're finishing fourth probably with and without Julio. I've, I've got them finishing third, um, to be honest. I don't think they're a playoff team this year, no doubt about that. I think that the, the, the defensive lapses that they experienced last year and you know the, the question marks out of the backfield too, for one thing, they, they're, they're too much to, to ignore uh, to where I, I think they're destined to be third or fourth in division. I've got them third personally over the Panthers um, and then the, with the Buccaneers and the Saints uh, topping out the division. Um, but I, I just think he could bring in some more wins and help the team reach that seven and nine record uh, if they wanted to, uh, you know, if they, you know, if, if, like if you were still within that roster. But 
Um, yeah. It doesn't make a huge difference in terms of like their long-term success, in terms of their they, their playoff capability. But you also just don't want to see them dwindle down to four and twelve in in, in Arthur Smith's first year uh, at the helm of uh, uh, you know as their head coach. So maybe it can help them get a quarterback next year, though. Yeah, you know that's something they may need to start thinking about. It, this is going to be a big year for Matt Ryan. Can he hold himself above water? And and you know uh, keep himself afloat because he still is I, and I still think he has the capability of being a top-notch quarterback. He didn't have a bad year last year. Twenty-six touchdowns, eleven interceptions, sixty-five completion, forty-five hundred yards last year. He's still a productive quarterback, but he's just it could be inconsistent at times. Where you know one year he'll have the spectacular MVP campaign he did in twenty sixteen, and then the next year he'll have half as many touchdowns and and he'll, he'll cough up opportunities to execute in the red zone. That's certainly been an issue, and namely with Julio Jones, in terms of getting him the ball in the red zone, has been an issue too when he was there. And that may, in, pa- uh, in part, also be why he will, <laughs> may want to leave and, and go to somewhere else like Tennessee, where they can get the ball to him in the red zone, like they've been effectively, uh, like they've effectively been able to do uh, over the past couple of years with Ryan Tannehill at the helm. Uh, so you know, it, I don't know. It's just a, it's a ton of question marks, but it, yeah, just the Falcons, man. It's going to be it's going to be a rough r- rough situation. Um, but uh, let's get to our, our final question with, with Arthur Smith, though, as he takes over the reins from Dan Quinn. What can we expect to see from him offensively this year, considering what he accomplished in Tennessee and uh, uh, now in his first-year campaign as, uh, as, as the Falcons head coach? I mean, his offense is all about running the ball and getting things going off play action from there. So I yeah. think with Mike Davis, that offensive line, and then opening things up, they have the skill talent in the passing game, I think, to be really effective, especially if they can, you know, marry it up with the running game. You know, that, that's fair to expect. I think pretty good attack. Yeah, that that's that was, you know, the blueprint that they ran with in Tennessee is it's all about that marriage of the running game and the passing game. It'll come down to whether they can actually, you know, establish the run game with their offensive line, with Mike Davis, which... You know, they're not the greatest, but they are, are certainly serviceable uh, NFL players. Um, and then after that, it'll weather it'll it'll come down to whether Matt Ryan can really come to grips with a heavy play action RPO you know style offense, which he hasn't had to run his entire mm-hmm. career. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a little uh, skeptical of how it's going to look with Mike Davis at running back. They don't have a Derrick Henry there, so yeah. Establishing the run, like you said, with their offensive line not being the greatest, it's the, the type of offense he runs, he might not have the personnel for it this year, and we might have to wait until next year for him to be able to run the team how he wants to. And also, a, like Dark Horse guy to kind of watch behind Mike Davis, there's been a lot of great camp reports about Quadri Allison out of Pittsburgh. He uh, came out, I think, two years ago as a fifth-round pick. He's, uh, he's big enough. He's, uh, he's got the, the speed score for it. He, he could possibly be a good second back behind Mike Davis. So they might be able to, they might be able to establish a run, but we'll see how they do. Yeah, it, you know, it's, man, this, this offense is going to be very interesting because the personnel is so different in Atlanta compared to Tennessee. So I, I, I don't know what to expect, to be honest. I mean, I know he runs a traditional, like, wide zone run scheme and, and, and a lot of play action, like you were talking about earlier, uh, earlier Ryan. Um, but they don't have a Derrick Henry, like you were saying earlier, Craig. They don't have a Derrick Henry out of the backfield. It's Mike Davis, who's who could be serviceable, but he's not 
necessarily the proven back anywhere near the level of a Derrick Henry, who's maybe the best back in the entire league. Um, you know, there is no AJ Brown teaming up with Ridley, you know, nor Julio obviously anymore. So there's, there's a lack of weapons offensively outside of really Calvin Ridley and, and obviously Kyle Pitts, if all goes well with him, uh, you know, with the, the, the athletic freak that he is. So he's going to have to be creative here. Arthur Smith is really going to have to be creative here. Will he incorporate a lot of play action like he did in Tennessee? Uh, it's going to be, I think that they'll have to consider the offensive line questions because outside of Jake Matthews, uh, and I do actually like Caleb McGarry's upside on the offensive line, it, it, you know, but he's got to stay healthy. You know, he had some knee injuries last year. Um, uh, you know, maybe that could, th th those two could hold it down and that could go a long way. But I, there's a lot of question marks with this offensive line. And, and uh, um, I, I just don't know what to expect, honestly, with uh, uh, with this this Falcons offense, considering the change in personnel and how you have to adapt to that new environment. Uh it really should be interesting. But, uh, yeah, I've got the Falcons uh, probably third in my division. What are your guys' divisional standings real quick in terms of how you have the division playing out in terms of uh, the, the final standings when 2021's all done? I got the, the Bucks, the Saints, the Panthers, and then the Falcons. Same here. Yeah, uh, I'll be the odd one out here. I'm actually, like, just with everything involved with that team, I'm really hopeful. I've got the Bucks, the Panthers – the Saints, mm. and the Falcons last. Uh, with the Falcons, man, that defense is just... Oh, it's, bad. it's bad. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> and, and the thing is, it's it's not that it's just bad at one one position. It's kind of not no. great at all levels, and I think that just makes them so vulnerable, you know? Yeah. Like I said, with great Jared and, and Deion Jones, like outside of that, it's it's pretty ugly. Yeah. It's pretty ugly. Not great. So. Not, not great. So, I, I would say a little bold with the Panthers take, yeah, but okay, we'll see how this we'll, plays out, man. I'm making we'll it interesting. You know, no one will we'll listen to this. No one will remember it. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that'll just about do us for do it for us here on OTH Football Weekly. I want to thank you all for tuning in on behalf of uh, uh, Craig, George, and Ryan. I'm David Gillespie, your host today. Uh, thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time right here on OTH Football Weekly. Take care, guys. Later, guys. Later. See ya.